Hello, 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 and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed, and welcome into episode number 84 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer, and we are proudly part, <coughs> excuse me, of the Outsports Podcast Network, releasing great shows for you each and every week. We're writing great content for you each and every day. Look at all we do, telling the stories of LGBTQ athletes, and we couldn't do it without you and your support. Have a few uh, notes I want to hit on this week. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the conversation last week with Devin Haru of uh, the CBC. I I just can't get past the fact that he spent 51 straight days in semi-quarantine covering the Olympics and Paralympics. Uh, You know the phrase, all work, no play, makes for an unhappy boy. I don't know if that's really a phrase. It's something I've said a couple of times, but I do believe it. I mean, I love my jobs. I always have. To be in journalism, you have to love what you do. You certainly don't do it for the pay, let me tell you. But I find in my life that when I am focusing solely on work, A, I'm not doing my best work, and B, it is really trying and taxing for my mental health. So you throw that on, all work, no play, on top of the crazy schedule of the Olympics, on top of it taking place in the midst of a global pandemic. Again, you're living under semi-quarantine for those 51 days as well. As I told Devin, I don't think I would have made it. Seriously, I do not think I would have been able to cover all of that, keep up with his schedule. It just sounds like mental hell. But Devin made it through. And he's here to tell the story. He did a great job covering the events, and he's off to Beijing 2022, whatever that holds in store. Uh, More my speed, rather than living under semi-quarantine for 50 days covering the Olympics, is playing in my Boston Flag Football League. I've written about my experiences in the Flag Football League a few times at Outsports. I think I've talked about it a few times on the show, but it's a very important league to me. I started in the fall of 2016, which is crazy to think about. Uh, I did miss 2020, the COVID year, but I mean, really five years. I've been playing in this league now. I think I was 23 when I joined, and the fall of 2016 is such a pivotal time in my life because I think it's when a large part of my gay life started. I joined the Flag Football League and started branching out more and meeting more gay friends and socializing with gays more, and now I'm hooked. It's fun, let me tell you. Um... And I also, in fall of 2016, started with WEI, my old job doing uh, sports talk radio there. And at the time, it was my dream job. I, I never wanted to do anything else at any point in my life. And there I was at 23 doing it. So the fall of 2016, a very pivotal and seminal time in my life. But I say that because I love the Flag Football League and it's I've met so many great people through it. It's I highly encourage anybody who's moving to a new city, if they have even a modest interest in sports, or even can pretend they have a modest interest in sports, I encourage everybody, not that I'm asked this all that often, but I would encourage everybody to join the Flag Football League in their city or some sort of local sports league because it's a great way to just get out there, meet people, and I think this is very important in the gay world, meet people in a non-sexualized environment. I mean, it's hard if you're going out alone to bars, nightclubs, Uh, people, yeah, they want to meet you and then take you home. Not always the place where you're going to meet long-lasting friends. So I say go, go, go on, get your football on. And that's what I've been doing. 
And this past Saturday was our opening day for the 2021 season. And the Patriots are a longtime sponsor of the league. They were the first NFL team to sponsor Gay Ball, which is the National Flag Football League's uh, championship tournament. The Gay Ball came to Boston in 2017, and the Patriots sponsored it. And since then, every NFL club has sponsored Gay Ball when it's gone to their city, including the Cardinals, who are sponsoring Gay Ball this year in Arizona, coming up next week, the end of the month. Um, So the Patriots have always led on these issues, uh, sponsoring Gable, as I mentioned. They sponsor our flag football league. Robert Kraft himself uh, and his late wife, Myra, were very ardent, are very ardent supporters. Robert Kraft is a very ardent supporter of the LGBTQ community. He signed an amicus, he signed an amicus brief for same-sex marriage. Uh, he signed a petition for same-sex marriage in Massachusetts before it was passed. So we're going back, you know, 15 years or so at this point, long before that was the norm. I mentioned the Patriots were one of the few pro sports teams to sign the amicus brief for same-sex marriage, and that came in front of the Supreme Court in 2015. So uh, Kraft has been a, a, a true champion of LGBTQ people and inclusion in sports, and he was there this Saturday at Flag Football Opening Day. The Patriots were there. We were doing a charitable drive an organization called Hope, Hope and Comfort that gives uh, products to hygiene uh, needy people and families and kids. Uh, hygiene insecure, I believe, is, is the correct phrase. But you, you get you get where it was a good cause, and the Patriots were there helping us out. Uh, but so was Robert Kraft, the man himself, the patriarch of the NFL's greatest dynasty, showed up and schmoozed for about an hour with a bunch of football-loving gay boys. <laughs> there are a few others at the fields as well. But really, he did. He schmoozed. He took pictures. I got a picture with him. And yeah, I've criticized Robert Kraft in many public forums and will continue to do so for things that he has done. I am not a blind loyalist, but I will say he's been a great supporter of the community. He's a champion for our rights. And he didn't have to do that last week. You know, just sponsoring the league is good enough. Helping us with charitable drives is good enough. He did not have to come down and spend an hour of his time schmoozing with us with no press. The Patriots, I think, tweeted out a picture. The Flag Football League tweeted out a picture. The only real press was me writing about it on Outsports. Uh, Yahoo picked it up, a few other places. But, I mean, that's it. So he did it with no press. He just came down because he wanted to. And that's why Robert Kraft is... Uh, as I shut off my air conditioning. That's why Robert Kraft is a beloved figure in this town because I don't think John Henry, owner of the Red Sox, would have gone down there. Not many billionaire owners would. Not many people would if they didn't have to, but Robert Kraft did. So say what you want about him, but uh, certainly deserves credit for that. Um, Speaking of Robert Kraft in the NFL... We're counting down all the ways Carl Nassib continues to be a distraction to the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, just, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I kind of do because since I can remember, the reason we were told there are no out athletes in the major male team sports is, oh, it would be such a distraction, such a distraction. We need to focus on the football. Well, the Raiders are 2-0 and they have a ferocious pass rush, which Nassib is a big part of. So we're going to keep tabs 
on that. Uh, we also had a great story this week on Outsports on Martina Navratilova. She had a conversation with R. Sid Ziegler about her history of LGBTQ advocacy. Uh, her and Billie Jean King were the first pro athletes in America to publicly come out. Uh, Martina is a real trailblazer. I don't think a lot of people of my generation, I'm 28, realize uh, just how hard it was for her to publicly come out in 1981. I mean, certainly not easy. Uh, so such a, a, a huge figure uh, in our community. She's been advocating publicly for the community since really the early 90s, uh, and very fiercely as well. Uh, but it was interesting that Sid spoke with her because, well, she's a very interesting person, but also because she's had a, she's had a few uh, she's had a few controversies over the last uh, couple of years about her stances on trans athlete inclusion. Uh, some have questioned her positions. She and she's had missteps with this issue. So basically, a few years ago. Uh, 2019, Martina penned an op-ed calling trans women in women's sports cheats. Uh, Athlete Ally dropped her as an ambassador. After that, uh, she had a few uh, unsavory Twitter exchanges as well around that time. So definitely not the nuanced way or the right way or the respectful way if you're Martina Navratilova or anybody to enter the debate on trans athletes. But After that op-ed, she did apologize in a public way. She said she was sorry. And now she's working on the issue. She's working with the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, trying to figure out ways to make sure that trans girls and women have have paths to participate in girls and women's sports. And Martina is still coming under some fire. And this group she's with is coming under some fire because basically there are two schools of thought when it comes to the pro-trans inclusion side of the fence. There is the side that does not think any uh, transition, physical transition, uh, should be required for trans girls after they've undergone puberty to take part in sports. And some states, such as Connecticut and Oregon, have those policies that you don't need to uh, undergo any sort of transition before joining girls' sports. So that's one side of the fence. Martina's side is she thinks that there should be trans inclusion at every level, but she thinks there should be some kind of transition requirement for trans girls or women who have started puberty. She tells Sid once they hit puberty, they become a lot stronger. And if you've gone through puberty, we have to mitigate that. So it's a conversation. It's two sides that are at the same endpoint. They want inclusion for trans girls and trans women in sports. Just different ways to get there. My take, granted, where you know I, I cover this issue all the time, but I'm still going to defer to the trans people on this. But my take is, I mean, I feel like in the professional levels, a transition requirement is appropriately put in place, and the Olympic levels too. I'm not so sure if that needs to happen to high school levels because the point of high school sports is to play with your friends, have fun, be part of a team. That's really their ultimate purpose. And there's no issue with trans 
girls dominating girls' sports. There just isn't. I haven't seen any evidence that that's the case. So that's my take on it. But interesting to hear Martina's take on it, read her take on it. And just a reminder that people do make mistakes. People can own up to them. And uh, she's a seminal figure. So very interesting to read Sid's conversation with her. And I also found it interesting. I wrote this story. Let me uh, plug my own work here. Uh, A Catholic high school this week rehired a gay coach following outcry from students and parents. A Catholic high school in suburban Illinois called uh, called Bennett Academy rescinded a coaching job offer when administrators learned the coach they were going to hire to head up their girls lacrosse team, Amanda Kames, was gay. She listed her wife as an emergency contact, and that's how they found out. Well, this is a Catholic school. They say they are governed by the teachings of the Catholic Church. So they pulled the job offer. And then there were protests. A signature garnered more than 4,200 names. Parents, students, alumni gathered outside the school this week. Rainbow flags, posters, stickers. And then what happened the day after that protest? The school released a statement saying they had given Amanda Kames her job back, and she accepted. So that's pretty cool. I mean, as recently as Monday, the head of this school rebuked the protest for Kames as inappropriate, calling rainbow colors confusing and ambiguous, and saying they, quote, represent a lifestyle the church does not and cannot condone. And then just one day later, the school hires Kames back, and releases this nice statement. Going forward, we will look for opportunities for dialogue in our community about how we remain true to our Catholic mission while meeting people where they are in their personal journey through life. Hmm. So the good guys can win. Keep up the pressure. Even in the traditionally conservative world of private Catholic education. Can't do that crap anymore. You just can't. And it's good to see. So thank you all for listening to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast, episode number 84. Wow, I can't believe you've made it that far. As always, if you have any show ideas, topic ideas, shoot me a line on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my Twitter handle. That again is at AlexReamer1. So long. I'll talk to you next Saturday.